Playoffs, playoffs. You're talking about playoffs. Win three games. It's the playoffs. You're an Owls Americast. Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and it is the playoffs. We are expecting promotion-worthy performances from Wednesday, which means I have to put a promotion-worthy performance in on my cocktail game. So I found this recipe for a mezcal fig sour. It was uh, a big batch cocktail, uh, lengthened with some water to more like a punch. So I turned it into more of a traditional sour type cocktail. It is mezcal. It is a fig and ginger infused simple syrup with lemon juice and a little bit of chocolate bitters to give it some depth as well. It is quite good. Uh, the ratios weren't perfect. I think I might go 2 to 1 to 0.5. Next time around, it's 2 to 1 to 0.75. It's hair sweet, but it certainly gets the job done. And it's a nice combination. The smokiness of the mezcal, the, the heat from the ginger and the simple syrup, the fig and the chocolate give a little bit of depth. The citrus is there to uh, freshen it up. It's a perfect mix, much like Wednesday's performance at the weekend. We have a perfect mix of podcast hosts as well. First off, in New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Uh, I'm scrambling around, sorry. Um, I have a glass of water again. Uh, I'm at my uh, calorie capacity on Noom, so I'm, uh, I'm no, no alcohol allowed for me today. It's a shame. You couldn't even find, like, one of the uh, athletic brewing, like, 20-calorie hop water, non-alcoholic. Uh, oh, that hot water bullshit is awful i did have a liquid death <laughs> i had a liquid death uh, a while ago which is just mm. flavored cells up but not very exciting either and he's back it's a, it's a massive two-leg playoff preview so we have to have the preview guru himself in new england it's justin disorder justin what are you drinking i'm afraid to follow patty up right now i'm having what my uh Son, when he was three years old, upon having a sip, uh, described as spiny water. Um, I'm uh, I'm at that point again where uh, I gotta gotta cut back on those calories. Gotta gotta get off the sauce for a little while. I think I picked a bad week to do it, but that's that's what needs to happen. I I may have to sneak a stout during the games, but uh, yeah, just drinking some uh, lime flavored seltzer water. That's it's all I'm bringing to the table. I but have another you guys... five ounces of cocktail here left in this uh, thing. This could be a record. Only one out of three of us drinking on the podcast. I, I, I mean, drink for uh, both of you, and that's a tall order indeed. <laughs> <man. laughs> I'm I'm less I'm less uh, strict than Justin. I will be drinking for the, the games. I cannot go sober through two playoff games. So mm-hmm. Noom will mm-hmm. take a back seat for a few for a few days. Fair enough. We will talk about. Pompey at home. We'll cover the Wednesday news. We'll do a little bit of a season, a preliminary season review. Go over our uh, predictions, at least from back in August. And we will preview a two-legged affair with Sunderland in the League One playoff semifinals. We will start with the Portsmouth game. A, in the end, comfortable 4-1 win. And Patty, your thumbs up. Simply put, it could be a thumbs up really for the whole season. This beautiful midfield. Yeah, it's it's a joy to watch. And uh, I want to give everyone an equal shout out for this game. Um, I thought Byers, Luongo, 
Bannon. Uh, I'm going to include Johnson and Hunt as part of the midfield too. Um, just it was just beautiful to watch at times that the interlink plays between them both on the wings and in the middle. They they've got this variation now of the dinks over the top, the wing play. It's look we've developed a squad and a style of play finally, which is fantastic to watch. If we can play out this and get rid of the silly errors and the goal, we should be fine in the championship with most of these players. Um, but it's obviously consistency and it's about everything else. But look, let's just appreciate what we've built this season uh, with this uh, midfield. Uh, and look, um, half of it, maybe more than half of it, is brand new, right? It's taken a while to gel. Longer might have been a new signing, so we didn't see him last season. Byers is new, Johnson's new, Jack Hunt's kind of new. Um, so it's, I think it's a massive, massive achievement for Darren Moore to get these players in and fit and to be playing this football. And uh, it all just sings when you've got that man up front, Lee Gregory, to uh, hold it up, to control like he did on the weekend too. So midfield is my key thumbs up, but you need that guy up top as well to uh, bring everyone together. I thought, I, again, it's it's tough to pick here. I thought Byers had an incredible game on Saturday. Yeah. It's fantastic. The um the assist uh, for Jordan's story where he, he did the defender, I think it was like a nutmeg, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, and the then, move, yeah. Yeah. I know and, I talked uh, about last week how uh, you know Mendez Lang does that cross to the byline and then tries to play it in, in feet and it never works. Play it in through feet and it never works. He like managed to pick out story among like five Portsmouth defenders all <laughs> crowded around the uh, yeah. the goal line. Yeah. Oh, he and, just ham- hammered that in there. Oh, yeah. that, that and fair play to story, care. that's no, it's point blank, but he got his foot on it. He beat everybody to it. I think the keeper was the nearest to the ball too. Mm-hmm. Um, he got the got the head of the keeper. So yeah, it was a good finish. Um, obviously, uh, just to get on the end of it was uh, good. And he was always lingering after the corner too. Story. This wasn't actually listed anywhere in thumbs up, so I'm going to mention it now. Um, I mean, the the league Gregory performance overall. But what if on the first goal to win that header, flick it on come back, get the ball out wide, and then get into position. And the technique to open his foot like that is absolutely uh, astounding. And it was an absolutely vital goal to get an equalizer that quickly. Yeah. The, the timing of the run, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, the run, uh, you can run see him check and then accelerate just right perfect. to the spot. Yeah, It was it's a joy to watch. Well, yeah. uh, just like class. And he's clearly in a purple streak now, too, just at the right time for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting going into the playoffs with full of confidence. <laughs> uh, last time I went to the playoffs, when we were like really shit in the sixth place, was the sixth place finished in the tw- the one after we uh, didn't get to the final? No, one? they finished. Uh, they no, finished fourth. fourth. They finished fourth, fourth. again because they went to yeah, Huddersfield first and set up for the nil nil. I remember we were kind of faltering a bit. We weren't scoring yeah, it wasn't, many goals. Never, like they never felt they didn't finish as strong as they did when they finished sixth. But yeah. yeah. Justin, your thumbs up is attitude. Yeah, I'll leave that a little bit because I think you're going to cover it for yours. Mm-hmm. But but just the idea that both from the crowd and from the team when they went down early, uh, you know, the the crowd has had a tendency, as, as wonderful as they are, to really have those assholes pucker up when something goes wrong and everybody get a little tense. And the team has seemed to show that a lot this year. And that really didn't happen. They... The crowd kept singing and the team just took a step forward. And that mentality and attitude and resilience um, 
I think was is huge. It's all, it's all um, those part timers that uh, certain yeah, right. Wednesday <laughs> fans complain about that don't immediately Car- start booing the us. team after giving up a goal yeah. in the first five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> carried us. But so so since uh, it, I think you are going to talk a little bit about that. We I will uh, like Patty was able to just throw the Gregory in. I'll, we'll throw in a little bit of a shout for. Uh, Liam Palmer, who yeah, he had uh, a great game, ha- had had a fabulous game. Um, him and Hutch really botched uh, the goal. Uh, it was yeah. really poor defending on their part, uh, and they made up for it the rest of the game. They absolutely locked Hurst down. Um, he was unable to do anything after that, and there were a couple, at least two different sequences where Hurst had the ball, had a little bit of space, was trying to move, and Palmer just came across dispossessed him uh gave him a nice little bump on the way by and went the other way uh i thought palmer was in the end uh quite good and it's always a joy to uh give shout outs to him because he is one of our own he was also very good going forward in sort of the overload as well you know was sort of in and about it for a couple of the goals yeah he almost got assist when bannon um he kind of roamed into the 18 yard box mm-hmm. and cut it back for bannon in the second half didn't he and i think bannon Forced a good save from the keeper. That keeper saved about four or five. Like the, one of the shots. best keeper performances I've ever seen. Four one loss. It could have been like eight one. Yeah, yeah. He's a twenty year old Irish kid. I guess uh, belongs to Man City. Oh really? Um, so we'll yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see his name in a couple of years. I'm, I'm with you guys. That was yeah, as good as I've seen all year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that could have been seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> that know? save from Parsons pile driver in the last five minutes, too. That's yeah. like 20 guys out. He, just, he smashed that Parsons. Well, he was, Gregory is one, yeah. too, where he chested it down yeah. and just like fired it across the. Uh, that would have been an amazing goal. Yeah. The kind of quick free kick from Bannon over the top to find Gregory in that instant control and then smashes it. Oh, that would have been beautiful. My thumbs up is took care of business. And it's a little bit different than what Justin thought. It's the idea yeah. that, look, I'm paid to Hans Veep Plymouth. Five uh, nil, and but you want to take you want to do it yourself, right? So Wednesday would have been in no matter what. But you wanna you want to put your stamp on the season. You want to put your stamp on it going to the playoffs. And after you go down on a very bad goal, where as Justin alluded to, like neither Hutch or Palmer really tracked Hurst, putting himself in like in the obvious sort of like checking his run and sort of just sort of wandering into the perfect position to get the cut back for them to just come out and basically dominate the game from from that point forward. And it ports out a couple of nice moments. They hit the woodwork. It forced Bailey Peacock Farrell into a couple of nice saves at 3-1. I was really expecting it to get to 3-2 at some point because that's the Wednesday way. But just, they took care of business. They held on to fourth place. And like, look, Sunderland's going to be a tough match, but there's no easy ones here. Um, they kept the, the home second leg intact. And... The thirty-three year, what is it, thirty-three, thirty-four thousand Wednesday fans that were there are going to be lining up for next Monday off that performance, and that's all you can really ask for. And and Portsmouth had been playing well too. Yes, I mean, I know they, they had nothing team. to play, and they did for, not like they did they, not. Come, I know they sent some kids down. They did not come out like you know, they came. They came to play. They certainly did. That that was well. I mean, with, within their last six games, they beat Rotherham three nothing. Uh, they beat Wigan three two. Um, beat Gillingham, beat Lincoln City, uh, tied on the road at Morecambe, who was playing with desperation. Like that team came in trying to show that they are ready for next year. They're ready to come up. The changes with the Cowleys and really creates new energy. We just, 
aside from that early start, we just smashed them all over the pitch. Cowley's comments after were tremendous. He just basically said, we, we can't deal with that, <laughs> you know, which was again, Patty, I'm with you. The, this, this thoughts of uh, confidence are making me a little bit nervous, but it, it's hard not to be. Um, I'm not thrilled. They're the betting favorite right playing. now in the playoffs. Um, yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in the preview, but as, as good as Sunderland's form has been, you know, there are some some question marks there. So I, I, I'm feeling somewhat confident right now, which is a strange and scary feeling. Smash cut to Monday afternoon. <laughs> Wednesday. And when I refuse a penalty to shootout or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do some thumbs down. Patty, four minutes. Uh, yeah, I, I really didn't want to pick them down. I thought, yeah. like, uh, I think we're all probably going to pick the same four minutes, right? Um, yeah. The it kind of had to be. It couldn't be perfect though, could it? That's yeah. why I was. It had to have some little rockiness to it, and obviously, just just to keep us on his toes. And the uh, I think we just felt we just weren't really alive in the first four of the minutes. We yeah. looked like we're maybe a bit awe, a bit, a bit kind of looking at the crowd, maybe enjoying the atmosphere a bit, mm-hmm. and. Uh, like Jack Hunt down that right side got done by a really good pass to their um, I can't remember who it was the left winger who eventually cuts it back in. It looks a little bit over the line at first, but I think um it got away with it. And then Hutch and Power, like I said, Justin, just nowhere near um George Hurst. I mean, of all the people to make sure <laughs> it always had to be George Hurst. Like the, they're informed striker, and you get <laughs> your two defenders just ball watching away from him. Yeah, like I, but, you could see that developing as the left winger was. Yeah, you can see yeah. down the length of it. You're thinking, hey, there's somebody out front. Let's keep an eye on him. And everybody just drifted to the ball. It was an easy cutback, and then, frankly, a, a easy goal for Hurst. Yeah. I don't think he's going to have too many easier than that. Yeah, it sucked that he got celebrated in front of the cop. That's what I hated about it all. I didn't want him. I didn't want to. I wanted to get crocked. I wanted mm. him to disappear. Now he's going to well, have a little bit the, of a story to tell. Right. This is well. It's fine, but this is the. I, I know that there were some Hursty Hursty was to score chance. It's just like the Benekafobe goal a few years back, right? Where he scored the penalty and they beat Wolves 4 1. Right, I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, just look, I didn't want to put it down at all. That, that was just a lapse of concentration. As Justin said, they shut him down after that. He had one good shot in the second half. Uh, BPF saved pretty well. But other than that, it was uh, quite um, quiet. I still maintain he looks tiny, though he's six foot four. Someone on Twitter corrected me saying he's not tiny, Paddy, he's six foot four. He's a skinny rake of a guy. He doesn't, he, he, I'm surprised he's um, doing as well as uh, he is. But hey, uh, we got over it and the attitude was there. So uh, I'm not going to dwell on that down point uh, any more than I have. Well, Justin's down point is none. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, aside from that, you know, that little blip, we, we really. Mm-hmm kind of controlled and again they they had those spurts in the second half and they, they could have made it three to two if not for if not for peacock Farrell. but you know that again that's a good team they were in form you know o- overall you know we really we outplayed them and kind of took it to them the the only other thing i noticed just i, I didn't really notice it quite as much in the game but looking back to the stats is they really dominated in the air we had more or less uh two guys who were able to handle the ball in the air. Uh, Gregory had uh, four aerial wins and Story had four. Um, and that was about it for us. The rest of their team, uh, pretty much everybody was able, especially their back line was good in the air. But in the end, it didn't matter. We, uh, you know, smashed balls low across the box and off of legs. Oh, that's uh, 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Patty. I have no reason to dwell on, on thumbs down. We, mm. we smashed uh, them in front of a full house, uh, made it to the home seat in the playoffs, and, and we're off. This is, this is good stuff. My thumbs down is very abandoned still being on the pitch in the 78th minute or whatever it was. And like, look, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk Bannon injury stuff in Wednesday news. I know he did the lap of honor. It's a little different between walking around the pitch and putting in the shit he's going to have to put in with two days off Friday to Monday. We'll worry about that later. No, and I think him and Gregory both. Gregory was on the whole 90 minutes, wasn't he, too? Or it was yeah. definitely close so to 90 minutes. That's the thing, right? So you're looking at game management, right? You know at halftime you're up. You're through because Dons are running rampant. So you got to look at the... It's just like game, it's like game management. It's like long-term game management here. Who are the three players you absolutely need in the squad? For the playoffs and potentially Wembley, it's Gregory Bannon Luongo. You only get three subs, is the thing, right? So that those are who are the three you have to pick. If you lose one of the wingbacks slash fullbacks, you can put Mendes Lang in there. Gibson's healthy now. Again, it's a downgrade, but you can deal with that. You have depth in the back line. You have you know if, if George Byers has been great all year. Uh, Deli Bashiro can do a lot of the same things he can. Not as well, but it's not like Luongo, Bannon, Gregory. Those are the three guys have to be off at 65 minutes, basically. And that's just bad game management. And like people are going to say Barry Bannon shouldn't make that run, and Barry Bannon shouldn't make that run. But the reason Barry Bannon is Barry Bannon because he's going to make that run. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you got to stop players, uh, mm-hmm. protect players from themselves. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, nothing, uh, nothing too bad comes out of that. I was hoping it was just a cramp, but based on Darren Moore's post-game match comments, it was not just a cramp. But again, maybe that's some gamesmanship. Like, obviously, soccer is more uh, cagey about injury reports than even hockey. So, all we know is Jerry Bannon has a lower, lower body injury. <laughs> well, that's that's the classic hockey yeah, yeah. term, right? There's only two injuries in hockey: yeah. lower body and upper body. Yeah. That's uh, that's as much as they give you. All right. Well, that is a lovely day out. Very early. I didn't even like see the Hearst goal because I did my usual thing where I just like smashed my snooze button a couple times for my 7 a.m. alarm and then managed to get I follow video up next to my bed. And then I got out of bed around 740 or so. But I'm already down one mill with the kid having breakfast and sort of wandered off down there and changed into my kit and away we go. Imagine getting up at quarter six, uh, Jeffrey, in New Jersey, getting into New York City mm-hmm. um, and, and finding four Portsmouth fans in the fucking bar. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? All I saw from that was your halftime shot, which Danny looked thrilled about. <laughs> yeah, we did a few Jaegers. Mm. Um, but yeah, Portsmouth fans... They cared for all of 10 minutes of that game, but I mean, the, um, yeah. they were there nonetheless. We're still here, and we'll take a break. Come back for the Wednesday news. Take a look back at the 2021-22 season as it's gone so far. And preview the playoff semifinal.
That's time for some Wednesday news. Uh, we'll go right back to the Barry Bannon injury update, such as it is. Uh, we don't really have an injury update. Uh, Dom Housen suggested that he's going to be available for selection on Friday, and it sounds like Dom is framing it in such a way that he thinks Barry Bannon will be available for selection on Friday, as will Harley Dean, hypothetically. Again, things can change. You know, I'm sure there will be a last-minute fitness test and Darren Moore's... Uh, Media availabilities over the next 72 hours or so will be not particularly enlightening on this, but I would expect Bannon's going to want to play this game and he's going to do everything he can to get on the pitch. I think you've got to keep Sunderland guessing, right? Right. He's your star man. So I wouldn't think you would hear anything about Bannon until right before the lineups are announced. Yeah. Um, Because they're going to. Try and stop him, right? So they've got mm-hmm. to, they've got to have a plan for Bannon being on the pitch, um, and then uh, if he is, that good for them. If not, then they have to change the plan and deal with the long going buyers instead. Yeah. Well, and it it'll, it forces the other team, right? As you say, Patty, they're, they're going to plan to shut down Bannon, but they also have to plan for Fizz being in there or whatever other windows at the yeah. ten. With Patterson, whatever, you know, maybe that is it, right, as a road game. So they're going to have to make some different plans if they don't know what we're bringing to the table. Um, but hopefully it is Barry Bannon uh, starting out there uh, at the top of that uh, midfield triangle. As it, Harley Dean is possibly available for the sem- playoff semifinal as well. If Dean is fit, would you put him right into the back three? Um, uh, who've so maybe we we'll get this later. Who's Sunderland go up top? I, I I always would play them if he's got like a physical strike up top. And Ross Stewart is he, is he fit? So Ross Stewart is their leading striker. He's got twenty four goals. He's really been tearing it up. He had the hat trick in the second game against us. Although I did think it was a little shaky. But their their biggest issue is going to be that their uh, sort of hold up distributor guy uh, is Nathan uh, Broadhead. Uh, a Welsh kid who has 10 goals for them, but he's been really critical since they switched to a 3-5-2. He's the one who comes back, gains possession, distributes, uh, makes runs. He's probably out um, for the game. So while Stewart is good in the air, um, he's actually very good in the air, uh, uh, I'm not quite sure what Sunderland's going to be bringing to the table um, up front. That That's going to be a huge question to see. So I don't think uh, Harley Dean walks into the team, put it that way. That might be I, one I where you do like, you put Dunkley just on him to jump on his shoulders and try to win headers. Yeah, if uh, we need to do that. It certainly sounds like we weren't bothered about, actually last week, it certainly we weren't bothered about George Hurts winning headers. That's where we went with right. Starry, Hutch, and Palmer at the back. And he didn't. So that's good. <laughs> but if we've got someone, if Ross Stewart's a guy that's going to be physical in the air, then yeah, I would put, I would probably take um, Palmer out for, for Dean or Dunkley. Yeah, I mean Stewart's not Stewart's not that big, you know. I think he. I have no idea what 188 centimeters is. But, uh, <laughs> I'm guessing he's like you know five five ten or something. I've like stopped that, so saying whether people are big or small because I get on, people on Twitter yeah. saying. Um, I I I was six play... foot two. Smaller than George Hurst. <laughs> um. I, I personally wouldn't play them for, you know, cross, like they do like to cross the ball in, but it's not 
That's not necessarily how Stewart likes to score. I think they're fairly um, flexible in who they'll play in the back three more. And like, I would be more amenable to them getting creative back there versus any other spot on the pitch. Like, I expect you're going to see Hunt and Johnson, Bannon Byers and Luongo, if Bannon's fit, and Barahino. And I mean, I, I guess it depends on how many minutes you think Windass can give you, given that it's a Friday, Monday setup. But either Barahino or Windass behind uh, Lee Gregory. But, you know, if it's Dean and Story and Hutch or Palmer and Dunkley and Hot, like I could see a number of different combinations back there based on what Sunderland offers going forward and how they want to set up anyway. For that Friday game, uh, Stadium of Light seats 49,000. Sheffield Wednesday have been given 2,000 tickets. It's such two times, isn't it? Yeah. So, so well, but that's the. It's my understanding that it is shitty, but it's yeah. my understanding that that's the minimum. That's what they were required to offer. One, yes, and I get it. Like they wanted to put to as many Sunderland fans in there as possible. We, I believe, we offered two thousand tickets to uh, Huddersfield in two thousand seventeen mm-hmm. and or two thousand sixteen, and Brighton we offered two thousand as well. Yeah. It it makes sense. It's just. It sucks because, you know, we could bring up, I mean, well, frankly, we could probably bring up 49,000 <laughs> if we wanted to. But, you know, realistically, yeah. we could bring a nice, you know, 8,000, yeah. 6,000, something yeah. somewhere in there to really create an atmosphere. But it's hard to blame them. And, and I just hope we do the same. I hope we do the same thing to them. Um, it would be nice. Or there seem to be, you know, different stories on whether or not we can put opposing teams in the lower uh, Leppings Lane end, uh, but that would really be the right way to do it. Is is stick them in the lower end at Leppings Lane and let us fill the whole top with with Wednesday fans. Yeah, apparently but not I, to not do that. We don't like to put us above them because apparently that would uh, cause trash to be thrown. But um, I think I don't know if we could just sell them the bottom tier. I don't know how many seats in the bottom tier. So uh, just leave the top one empty. <laughs> Stay the <there. laughs> No, I think I think we'll get the top tier of the away end. And then, uh, the well, I think they'll get 2,000 tickets, right? <laughs> yes. I don't, I, don't think tickets, getting, yeah. I don't think they're getting a ticket beyond that. Um, and if we did do that to them, that would be stupid. Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense, especially if they're going to play that gamesmanship. And they, they should be allowed to, as lame as it is. I mean, the rules um, are the rules, they, right? You can follow right. the letter of the law. And, yeah. To be fair to both of the clubs, um, £20 ticket for both games, yep. uh, Sunderland and Wednesday. So that's uh, going to make sure that. I'm not sure about Sunderland. Will they sell out 49,000? I assume so. Yes. Yeah, it was 2,000. Yes. Yeah. I would expect they will, yeah. That's going to be Yeah, massive. no, they, they, they're massive. They they had a uh, they had a crowd of like 34,000 in, in some, ra- not random, but, you know, one of their later I think they brought games. a They were in the Pizza Cup final a couple of years ago against Portsmouth, and I think they pretty much, between the two of them, sold out Wembley, so. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, hey, if Hull had fans, they would have sold out their half of Wembley. Yeah. Uh, the year we went um and if, frankly this if they this, had fans. this this would have <laughs> been game. great no no i understand they've been there before mm-hmm. and they were protesting and blah 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 um yeah it's too bad that this isn't the finals uh, when, when you live in a hall like a day out in london is like, like nothing right it's not a not anything special <laughs> yeah it's such a gl- glittering <laughs> metropolis <laughs> 
it has its own um, airport it has flamingo land what else do you need <laughs> but yeah no it's it is too bad a wednesday sunderland final would be uh the, that would be an atmosphere at wembley for sure so that's the wednesday news let's take a look back at the 2021 and 2022 season i want to frame it this way because i think we talked about at the beginning of the season to be a good reset for the club we might actually win some games and they did in fact win a fair number of games but did we actually enjoy the uh, 2021-22 campaign? Uh, I'll start by saying yes. Okay, and that's fair. We, talk, that's a fair we talked about this uh, end of last year. Uh, you know, I talked about the thing to look forward to this year as much as League One sucks is that we'll actually win a game. Mm. And and if we realize, I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, I don't know what our, our total ended up being, but I bet we won more games this year than the previous two seasons combined Probably. or close, close to it. And it's like just for the opportunity to have uh, a game, you know, like this where we come in and sell out uh, Hillsborough and smash uh, inform sort of big side. Uh, that's, that's everything we have not seen for the last couple of years. They, they gave us random victories like that forest game where mm-hmm. we blew them out or, you know, random things, but you never knew it was coming this year. We, once things settled in, especially since the first of the year, we've known what's coming. We've been played relatively attractive football. We've won a lot of games. Yeah. It's been fucking fun, man. I enjoy the second half of the season. Mm. Very frustrating um, in the first. I mean, frustrating overall, and in, because in, you can go and you can nitpick, especially later in the season, like Bolton and Atkinson Stanley, and count up the points that they drop from winning positions or the goals they gave up from set pieces, and be like, well, they should have romped the league, and they were really even into it up until the. Wickham loss uh, last week, so it can't. Yeah. It, it's always. I mean, look, we're Wednesday fans. It's always going to be frustrating, even <sighs> when they're fourth and in the playoffs. Right? It's just. It's never going to be easy. Yeah, for me, oh. someone someone mentioned in the in the, in the bar on Saturday. They said that it's not. It's not the. Um, he said he's enjoyed being in League One because all the all the winning stuff. But for me, a win in League One does not feel the same as a win in the Championship. Mm. A win and the fourth place in League One feels like there's an asterisk at the end of it. We shouldn't be in League One. We shouldn't be, be playing teams like Accrington Stanley. Right, it's been Fleetwood fun, but Town. I don't want to do it next year. It just feels like it's a yeah. cheap win. It's like, of course, we should be winning this fucking team. We should be steamrolling the league uh, with the finances and resources and the players that we have. Um, and so, yes, it has been fun at times, but uh, it's cheap. It's a cheap, cheap laugh. Uh, sure. And I want I want the quality wins in championship to, to get us um, back to where we belong, hopefully. Well, I I think if if we do win out here, uh, there's nothing cheap about that. I I think that Sunderland is a good team. I think MK Dons is a pretty solid team, and and Wickham, as obnoxious as they are, <laughs> is a very effective team and and very capable. Um, I mean, I think Rotherham's a bit of a joke but they did what they do and and Wigan has managed to come out of the ashes to put it together um now there there were seven or eight decent teams in this league this year teams that I think could have stayed up in the championship um I was so a little like I, the, I'm with you Patty but 
I was a little like surprised in a way. Like the bottom half of this league is abject in a lot of ways, but once you get past that, like the quality between the the top half of the league one and the bottom half of the championship is not a ton of difference between those two leagues at this point. I think it's consistency, right? Um, You've got, I think, a lot of the top of the league one teams seem to be uh, quite organized. Um, and uh, we're doing very well, especially towards the end of the season. Everyone in the top six was winning every game. Um, so for me, you get a lot of people in the championship who maybe aren't playing to their um, caliber, maybe for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. League One players might not be better quality, but they might be more organized and they've got the belief and the, the passion uh, at the top of the table compared to someone that's down and out in the bottom of the championship. They're going to be down on morale, down on confidence. So yeah, you're always going to get that mixture of top of the league versus the bottom of the league will be interchangeable. That's the whole beauty of the football pyramid. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference too is the teams at the top of the championship, especially still have you know teams like Fulham that have been yo-yo clubs for the better part of a decade now have so much more in the way of resources that they just go right back up. The top of the championship is now turning into the top of the Premier League. You're going to have yeah. the same four clubs going back and forth. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like Fulham and West Brom. I'm sure Norwich will be back up in a year or two. And you know. yeah, oh, your Watfords. Mm. These, yeah, these clubs have just developed into that. You know, and it's a nice work if you can get it. I guess I would be fine if Wednesday were that. In all honesty, at this point, so I don't know. I've, I've seen my Norwich fans in the um, football factory uh, once every other year, uh, just being miserable to get hammered every week. <laughs> So it's player of the year voting time. I know we were kind of uh, in and out on player of the month, but looking back, Barry Bannon is going to be the obvious choice here, right? Just on the, what he offered on the pitch and the fact that he actually played the whole season. But is there anybody else you would at least consider a vote for over Barry Bannon? Uh, Lee Gregory. Uh, Lee Gregory is just for, just for the last mm-hmm. half of the season. Well, even when, well, just when he's on the pitch, it's been good when he's on the pitch, but um, obviously the injuries kept him out for a little bit. Uh, the goals and the importance of the goals, uh, I think, is what would make uh, him a, a good second choice to Bannon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can pick quite a few. That's the that's nice could, thing about right? a successful yeah. season, right? You can pick quite a few. We finished joint second, uh, but there's still only one person head and shoulders with everybody else. And it's not as the Wise Old Owls chose, Liam Palmer. <laughs> I mean, fair play to the Wise Old Owls, but Liam Palmer is not the player of the season. He was a very good season, but mm-hmm. he's not the player of the season. No, and I think it's interesting too, because I think Bannon, like Gregory, you know, if we're being honest, it really only has been the second half. I mean, I, I should uh, I should have looked it up um, to see, but, but Bannon's numbers exploded in the second half of the season. I mean, we're sitting on nine goals and 12 assists, and that's incredible. Um, But I I bet out of that 21, I bet, you know, say 14 of them were in the second half of the season, 13 of them were in the second half of the season. He was, he was something else. So I think he, I think Bannon was the player of the year for Wednesday. It's going to be a, a little bit of a weird distinction. I think the most valuable player on the pitch on the team in the squad right now is Massimo Luongo. But, yeah, I, because, he he al- because he's he been great and he allowed, I know, but the fact that Bannon was able to do that, it all came with Luongo fit. 
and able to be Massimo Luongo. Do you, can you explain most valuable player versus player of the year? So, I mean, again, it's it's weird. Like who? <laughs> you American? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really should be the same thing, but the idea I'm trying to come here is that the team is able to play in the way, like as we talked about in the first half, they have a way of playing now. And that way of playing in a lot of ways is entirely dependent on Massimo Luongo being fit and doing Massimo Luongo things at the, at the back of that uh, center midfield three. Do you think in the market, literally you would be the most valuable player right no, now? No, absolutely not. Okay. No, Patty, that when I was teasing him about, you American, it's a real. We we can't. I'm saying the drop off for the for nobody else in the squad can like look. George Byers can do eighty five percent of what Barry Bannon can do. What he can do eighty five. If you put him in the the, the forward midfield distribution passing role, he could do eighty five percent of what Bannon can do. Nah, he can't. I mean, unless you literally talk about running and tackling and stuff like that, it's, it's not eighty five percent of a Barry Bannon. He like you'd be surprised. He's got a a good right peg um he can play a hollywood ball he can play a ball down the channel he used a little bit differently 65 to 70% all right fine you want to say 70% 70%. (laughs) so since uh i don't think there's anyone in the squad that can do 70% of what massimo luongo does since then well i i would actually argue against that but but since since and and i don't think your point's wrong jeff Mm. i think that i would almost argue that luongo is sort of the key you know, he's that final piece that when he's in there, that's what makes us the smoothly running machine where everything's efficient and allows everybody else to play a role where they're better suited because Luongo can do so much and, and cover so much area and do so many different things. But uh, on, on Bannon, since uh, actually since January 22nd, but say since January 1st, uh, Bannon has uh, seven goals and eight assists. So, yeah, so 15. Fifth, 15 out of his uh, 21 points in the uh, second half of the season. So, you know, yeah, he's really, it's been that second half. And, and Jeff, maybe that's a bit to your point. It's since Luongo has been back and healthy, Byers has been in and solidified. It's allowed Bannon to be in a position to be the guy where literally every week the opposing manager says, he shouldn't be in this league. He doesn't belong <laughs> in this league. So well, this is the thing too, right? It's, uh, it's because of the, what the interactions in in soccer it's very difficult to look at these kind of like most valuable lens in like a discreet way because again a lot of what bannon is freed up to do the best things that barry bannon can do when Luongo is in there in a way that uh you know he doesn't when he's dropping deeper as we've seen at, at various times throughout the season or when he just feels like he needs to do a little too much or, or go back and get the ball a little bit deeper because Luongo also distributes very well as well from back there. So I do think it does. It's like a complicated, I mean, Barry Bannon is going to win every award and that's fine because he, you know, it's, he's Barry Bannon. He had a great season yeah. and, and it's funny because at the halfway point, we wouldn't have said that. No, but uh, it's 46 games. It's, it's a long, it's a slog. Like eight months. <laughs> it is. And eight months ago, yeah, Justin, uh, we made some predictions. So we're going to go over them now. I've pulled them up from our preseason preview. We asked we asked a number of questions. The first question was most goals in the squad. Patty, do you remember who you picked? Uh, as in top goal scorer? Top goal scorer, yes. 
<laughs> That's a weird phrase. Most Jordan Rose. <laughs> I think this is the first the first year in the last five. I haven't picked Jordan Rhodes, <laughs> thankfully. Um, uh, probably Barry Bannon. You did not pick Barry Bannon. Justin, do you remember who he picked? I took the field. You did, and you're going to win uh, this. But I'm, I'm asking if you remembered who. I swear I did not allow that. Patty picked Callum Patterson? He picked. uh, No, I picked Callum Patterson. I picked uh, Callum Patterson with 17 goals. (laughs) That's not correct. I thought he would be one of the primary strikers in this league. Uh, They had not signed the field yet, so. I thought field. he was gonna. Yes, like, no, did, get zero I, points did, I, did I nail the field total? Did I not? No, you had fifteen. You missed by one. Ah. You got the the, ah. the the last goal against Portsmouth. What do you got? Uh, James, for the record, picked uh, Josh Windass with thirteen. Patty uh, picked Olamide Shadipo with thirteen goals. That's what's worse than Colin Patterson. Sorry. <laughs> Shadipo oh, did have a goal. Patterson had six. I yeah. believe the hype. Darren Moore's hype and Shudi probably still doing it now. He did miss half the season, to be fair. But Windass had four. Um, Who also missed his, half the season. Yeah, in his credit, he had four goals and two assists in uh, 360 minutes of play. Basically Jesus. four games. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's going to be that's huge. A good, it's a good ratio. He got an assist sadly too, right? He was a corner taker for a buyer's goal. Yep. The man's brilliant if we can get him for it next season. How far... Do Wednesday get in the Papa John's trophy? I don't actually. We, we put rounds here. I don't know what these rounds are. Remember at the beginning of the season, we were really like, well, Justin was extremely excited I about was. Papa John's trophy. <laughs> Look, if we're back in this division again next year, I will not be happy, but we'll do the. We'll get excited about the Papa John's trophy again. I think I said we were going to win it. Mm. I said we were going to win it. I'm pretty no, sure. No, I said we were. No, nobody said we were going to win it. <laughs> I said we were going to lose in the finals to the Arsenal under-21s. Brutal. What did I say? Uh, So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Justin, you said fourth round. I'm trying to figure out what the fourth round of the... uh, uh, This is before we knew what it it was. Second knockout round, I believe. Third knockout round. Third knockout round. Okay. Yeah. And I think we lost in the second knockout round. First knockout round, I think. First knockout round, yeah. So it would be the second round? Correct. Okay, well then it's uh, we do have a winner for this. Somebody that, he did not get the team right because I don't remember who it was. Who did they lose to? Harrogate, wasn't it? Harrogate, yeah. Uh, Harrogate. This one goes to Patty, who said second round to Kaiserslautern. <laughs> <laughs> James said third. Close round. enough. Harrogate are the Kaiserslautern of the yeah. north. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember this, but many uh, many months ago, Wednesday were still under threat of points deduction. So we asked if they would get a point deduction for not paying players, and would it would be three or six. They did not. Everyone said no. That's a point for everyone. Look at the faith we showed our chairman. Yeah. Repaid. So what are we at? We're at <laughs> Justin has two, Patty has two, James and I have one. How many goals will Jordan Rhodes score? I don't even know this. I did not look it up ahead of time. So. Is that, isn't he scored like three, hasn't he? Uh, he has scored... Three goals for Huddersfield this year. I love you tracking them, Patty. You can't, <laughs> you can't quit them, huh? <laughs> uh, James said 12. Justin said 7. I said 9. Patty, do you remember how many you said? 20. 13. Patty said 3. 
<laughs> what? No! Get the <laughs> so, Patty has scored another point. Impressive. Finally, John and Rose gets me uh, some points for this. Uh, yeah. you know. Who is Wednesday's biggest outgoing transfer this year? Did they actually sell, so? Did they actually sell anyone? <laughs> well, we did. We let people go. Let people go. And uh, what's his name? Went on a free to was it Belgium or whatever? So transfer. No. We sold Andre Green, didn't we? Andre Green. I think we sold. I think we sold him. We got like two hundred thousand pounds for him. Okay, so nobody gets a point here because uh, I said Windass, Justin said Iorfa, James said Bannon for three million, and Patty said Urgihide, which would have oh. been the winner, but they sold Andre uh, Green for two hundred thousand. We don't know how much we got for the. Um, did we not get any kind of um, Johnny Bosman? <sighs> See if it's more than. I don't think it was more because it would have gone to uh, arbitration or whatever, right? Because he was still uh... no, it was a free, wasn't it? Yeah, he ran out of contract, didn't he? He's out yeah. of contract, yeah. yeah. So, so Sorry, Wik- Wikipedia lists uh, undisclosed transfers as opposed to releases and transfers out for this season as mm. Shaw, Arogide, Burner, Green, and Adedoyan but they're all listed as undisclosed the amount of money that they were for. I bet Liam Shaw was probably the most expensive. Well, I'm not giving a point to anyone for that. Shaw was fair enough. Uh, We already covered this. What X Wednesday player scores a late winner against that against them. That's uh, James calling the Sam Winnell winner. (laughs) So that's uh, what is that now? So Patty's got three. James has two. Justin has two. Uh, I have one. How many managers this year? Myself, God. Justin, and James all picked one. Patty picked two and a half. <laughs> he goes to get ball at this point. <laughs> so it's now three, 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 three to two. We have our final question. Where do they finish in the table? Patty, do you remember close. what you picked? Remember what I picked? I think I picked sixth. You did. James picked eighth. I picked first. Justin picked fifth. So Justin wins. Ugh. Sweet. Yeah, there you go. Close enough. I mean, you win everything. You got four points. You got four points, yeah. And I got three. That stupid manager guess I did. Especially <laughs> my Jordan Roseman. <laughs> oh, well, boys, mm. well done on the wonderful uh, season's predictions. I think we got more right this season than we've ever done. Ever, really. Yeah, more or less. We'll do a more uh, thorough season preview, or season review whenever. It actually ends. Hopefully not for a bit. To that end, we will now turn our attention to Sunderland at the weekend, as it were. Friday and Monday. Four versus five matchup in the League One playoff semifinals. Take it away, Justin. All right. So this could run a little long because it's a double preview with two games and uh, obviously a pretty big game. Uh, when you look at this matchup, the first thing that pops up is just how similar these teams were at the end of 48 games. Uh, we were in fourth place with uh, 24 wins and 85 points. They were in fifth place with 24 wins and 84 points. Uh, we had 78 goals for, they had 79 goals for. We had 50 goals against, they had 53 goals against. So we were plus 28, they were plus 26. Um, our home form as I think we know, Fortress Hillsborough is back uh, first in the division with 53 points, 48 goals for. 
Well, they had 51 points and 49 goals for. They had the second best. We had 18 goals against at home. They had 19 goals against at home. Both teams at plus 30. Could not be closer. Well, how about the road form? Well, we were only seventh on the road, 34-32 against. Uh, they were sixth with 34 and 34 against. So, again, nearly identical uh, records, points, goal difference, everything after 46 games. I don't think two teams get much closer than this. Uh, well, the form is pretty similar, too. Uh, Sunderland's actually tied for first with the best form in the league, 14 points out of their last six. Well, we're right behind them with 13 points in our last six. Um, going a little further back on the form, uh, as you guys may or may not know, we are the second best team in the league since the turn of the new year. Uh, we have 48 points and are plus 24. Uh, that's second only to MK Don's 51 points, uh, but they're only plus 21. So we are as good as anybody in the league since uh, the first of the new year. Now, Sunderland's only 10th since the first of the new year with 35 points, only a plus five. However, it was after that time that they had a lot of trouble. They hit a couple, some speed bumps, fired their coach. A new coach came in, made some adjustments, and Sunderland has not lost since February 19th, which is very impressive. Although it is worth noting, they only have one win in that time over a top 16. They beat Wigan on February 26th, which... Uh, you know, you don't want to sniff at Wigan deservedly won this uh, league and, uh, you know, Sunderland smashed them three nil in that game. So uh, Sunderland is on great form, although their competition has not been particularly good. And uh, as Jeff uh, noted, they have several uh, late goals to give them some of these wins against pretty mediocre teams. Um uh, so for our American fans, who is Sunderland Athletic Football Club, Sunderland AFC? Uh, most people should be familiar with them because of their long stint in the top flight. Um, in fact, they were in the Premier League until the 16-17 season. Sunderland was originally started in 1879-1880. There's a bit of controversy there, but they were started as the Sunderland and District Teacher Athletic Football Club, started by a teacher. So, as you know, I can appreciate that. The city of Sunderland is up in the northeast, right next to the city of Newcastle with Middlesbrough hanging around up there, all on their rivers, the Tees, the Tyne, and the Weir. So when Sunderland first joined the Football League in the 1890s, they were the best team in the league. They won three of the first four titles, came in second the year after. That's three of the first four when they joined the league. And they were so good, they were known as the, quote, team of all talents. While they dropped off a little bit, their overall streak continued. They won three more titles by 1936 and, and in fact, had come in second five times during that span. So after 45 years in the league, they had six titles and five runners up. They won the FA Cup title in 1937 and then won again in 1973 which is a pretty famous game. Uh, you can, I believe you can YouTube some highlights. There's an incredible save by the Sunderland keeper to, to help win the last trophy that the Black Cats uh, have won. So, yep, they're known as the Black Cats and have been for quite some time. They famously played for a long time at Roker Park. And it says 1898 to 1997. The Taylor Report coming out after Hillsborough, the Hillsborough disaster, 
kind of made uh, Roker Park unable to switch to an all-seater. So they built the Stadium Alight, which seated 42,000 at the time. It went up in 2000. Um, I'm sorry, in 97. And then they upgraded to 49,000 seats in 2000. And it was actually the most expensive or you know, largest uh, new stadium in England since World War II. It's obviously since been eclipsed by a couple others. But point is, it's a, it's a big it's a big stadium and there's a lot of fans. It's a great atmosphere. I think everybody really recognizes Sunderland from a couple of years ago when they were relegated in 1617, went down to the championship, got their own Netflix or Amazon or whoever, their own streaming special Sunderland Till I Die, and promptly dropped again down to League One. So if you have not seen that documentary, please watch it unless you're squeamish of people being hurt and uncomfortable and sad, at which point you should probably avoid that. Um, since they've been in League One, they finished fifth, eighth, fourth, fifth. They did win the Pizza Cup last year, although they were knocked out in the playoffs. And uh, they, of course, have the Tyne Weird Derby pitted up against longtime foe Newcastle. And what amazed me is they've played 156 times and they're dead even, 53 wins apiece and 50 draws. I do not know the next time these two teams will meet. Newcastle is flooded with sports washing money, and they will inevitably be winning the Premier League and Champions League in the next five to 10 years. And Sunderland, as much as I do, you know, think they're a pretty quality side with some good fans. I, I would like to see them succeed. I do hope that they're due for another year in League One. So. We played uh, Sunderland twice this year. We played them on November 2nd at Hillsborough, and we really smashed them 3-0. Uh, it was kind of a strange game in a sense. It was a home game for us, and we gave them the ball. We only had 36% possession, but we just destroyed them on the counter, largely thanks to man-of-the-match performance from Theo Corbino, who had an assist and a goal in the 39th minute. Lee Gregory started the scoring in the 11th, and uh, Callum Patterson had a goal in the 53rd minute. Um, really dominant performance. We frankly looked the better team. Uh, well, when we went to the Stadium of Light on December 30th, it was quite the opposite. Our uh, back line of Johnson, Dunkley, and Palmer was absolutely eviscerated by their front line, and their big striker, Ross Stewart, picked, up, picked himself up three goals uh, that day as they beat us 5 nothing. What's a little interesting about that game is the possession numbers are actually pretty even, about as even as they get. So if you were going to base on tactics, looking at those two games, you would suggest that we give them the ball and try to hit them on the counter. Except Lee Johnson got canned on January 30th uh, following a 6 nothing defeat. Um, there was a little bit of controversy at the time. They weren't in that bad of a form. But they had taken a couple losses in a row, culminating with that 6 nothing, And the Sunderland board decided to get rid of Johnson, move along. And they brought in Scottish hard man Alex Neal, who came in on February 11th. Neal is known for, you know, creating a good team atmosphere, getting players working hard and, you know, coming up with a, a solid, if not spectacular, game plan. One of the things that Neal did is he, he went with Johnson's Tactical setup, the 4-2-3-1 or the 4-3-3, as it really is, um, for a little while, but ended up switching to three at the back. They often describe it as a 3-4-1-2, um, simply meaning that the highest midfielder sits behind the 
front two in a you know sort of number ten role with two forwards. Um, but I, I I'm going to call it a three five two because you've got three central midfielders and two wing backs similar to us. Now since they switched uh, to that three at the back, they have six wins, three draws, and no losses. Um, Neil has shown the ability to switch up during the game, but. Um, you know, he may change the formation going into this uh, two-legged tie, but I'll discuss why in a minute. Uh, as far as the act, actual way that it plays out, it's going to look pretty familiar to a possession-based 4-3-3 or 3-5-2. Um, we're going to build from the back. They're, they're going to try to work the ball around their back three. They like to build up through their wingbacks uh, and up to the side. They often do not like to move the ball through the middle. Um, I think they probably feel a little vulnerable to counterattacks if they do. So whether or not it's to a wingback, it may be one of their central midfielders stepping outside to give them a numerical advantage on the outside. At that point, they can carry it up the field or uh, drive it up the middle to one of their forwards and give them a chance you know they will press if they need to or they can also sit back and even you know fall into five at the back to clamp things up so neil neil has shown the ability with this team to have some tactical flexibility and you know what we're going to they or rather they are going to need it um, because they have a couple of very key injuries so so the most major injury for them right now is nathan broadhead He's a 24-year-old Everton Loney uh, center forward for them. He's got 10 goals this year in fairly limited playing time, which if you add it up, I believe he's sixth in League One for goals per 90, whatever that's worth. Uh, rate stats don't necessarily mean that much when somebody has limited time, but it is worth noting that he's he's done very well for them. And he's really been key for them. He's been the the man up front who runs the hold-up play, who comes back and collects the ball, who who settles things down and makes runs off the ball to free up their prolific striker, Ross Stewart. Ross, a 25-year-old Scotsman, has 24 goals on the season. He obviously had that hat trick against us, which is quite impressive. But it is worth noting, too, much to their detriment and to our joy as Owls, he has not been in good form. He only has two goals and two assists since the beginning of March. And both of those goals came in a route, uh, 5 nothing or 5-1, against Cambridge, who had been down to 10 men after about 12 minutes. So, you know, if you score 24 goals in this league, there is nothing bad you can say about somebody. But he really has not been scoring, and even those two recent goals came against us or in a situation where you like to think your forward is going to score. Why is he out of form? You know, that's obviously been a very important question being asked around uh, the Sunderland camp. And, and the answer, it seems to be an Occam's razor type of thing. Homeboy's just tired. He's played all 46 games. He's played over 4,000 minutes this year. He's played a full 90 in 39 out of those 46 games. That doesn't include all the cups. I didn't look into his numbers there, but, you know, it really looks like the guy is just worn down. Um, tough time of year for that, but, you know, maybe it took him uh, being that prolific just to get them here. Now, the big question that we're wondering is, what are they going to play? How are they going to play against us? How are they going to line up, attack us, and defend us? Well, 
we certainly would have seen a mirrored three five two, uh, similar to what we play. But with Broadhead out, you know, it raised some questions. Do they who goes up front and joins Ross Stewart, or do they kind of switch back to a four two? Three one, uh, four three three, set up like that. Um, I would bet, given how long they've been playing the three five two, they will try to plug somebody else in up front with Broadhead. Uh, when he went down with a hamstring injury last game, they subbed in Jack Clark, who's a twenty one year old kid with a goal and a couple assists and not much experience. I'd be very surprised if they start him in a playoff game. I would expect they'll move Alex Pritchard up in the midfield. Pritchard is an attacking midfielder, but uh, he with four goals and seven assists, but he has shown the ability to play up front. Um, so that would be my guess as to who they will move up front. Now, the key to their play, or one of the major keys to their play, given that they like to work it out wide, has been their wingbacks. Our American listeners will recognize and remember their left wing back, uh, Lyndon Gooch. Uh, got some time for the U.S. national team. Somehow Gooch is only 26. I'm not sure how that is because he's been around forever. He's had a nice season with six assists. And from what I've read, just saying six assists doesn't quite cover the work that he really puts in. Um, He's been a major part of this team. I'd expect on the other side to see Patrick Roberts, who same thing, only has a goal and an assist, but has uh, proven his worth a lot more and is an option to move the ball around. Now, their uh, back line has had some injuries, too. They seem to have back healthy now. Old friend Danny Bat is, uh, will be the central defender. And Bailey Wright should be, uh, if healthy, which I think he is, should be on the right side. They would love to have a guy named Dennis Serkin as the left center back. He's one of their best defenders and quite good with the ball at his feet. But he's out, and it really looks like he won't be back. Callum Doyle is a Man City loney who had also played on the left side. He's questionable as well. And they had another left center back, Carl Winchester, who's out too. So there's some real big questions as to what their back line will be looking like. Last game, uh, Luke O'Nine, uh, or O'Neen, perhaps, uh, who's a defensive midfielder. He filled in on the left side and looked pretty good. Seems to be a jack-of-all-trade guy. Um, He's also played in that kind of number 10 position at the top of the midfield triangle. So Onine can really move around. Um, I would expect to see Dan Neal be their uh, Luongo of sorts. He's a 20-year-old with three goals and seven assists. But he's usually uh, one of the two in the double pivot, if they have that, or the lone defensive midfielder covering in front of the back three. And, uh, you know, he's sort of the guy, as we were talking about with Luongo, he's the guy who does the things that let everybody else free up to be successful. The, the one other interesting name that popped up to me in terms of a guy I expect to have an impact in this tie is Elliot Embledon, who's an attacking midfielder with eight goals and six assists, most of them off the bench. I, I think if I'm Alex Neal from the little bit that I've seen of this team, you push Alex Pritchard up to the front two with Stewart and you let uh, Embledon uh, run the attacking midfield with O'Nine and Neal uh, handling the back uh, with O'Nine probably being the guy that moves up and down, playing more of an eight role with uh, Neal sitting back in the six. 
Uh, one other interesting name, of course, old friend uh, Aiden Speedy McGeady, uh, who's 36 at this point. He's got himself three goals and four assists and has just come back into the team. So I would expect we may see him. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, these teams in a lot of ways are very similar, nearly identical. I, I do think our form is a little bit better, um, but form goes out the window come uh Come playoffs, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's about the class. And, uh, you know, this is two pretty classy teams, especially for this level. To me, the key here is going to be them figuring out who else plays up front or uh, with Stewart and who can try to get Stewart back in form. Or do they switch a formation and and really try to change things up? I think that a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, where you're trying to keep possession does not work well against a counterattack in three, five, two. So I would like them to do it, but I'd like to think Neil won't. I think he'll just sub somebody in and try to mirror our three, five, two as well. Um, so, you know, it should be interesting. Both teams score a bundle of goals. It'd be nice to see the game. Well, I don't know if it'd be nice. It'd be a heart attack to see the game be open, but um, it would be better than two teams mirroring each other and just shutting down shop um you know we'll we'll see they played 46 games they ended up in almost the same spot um it's going to come down to some bounces some small tactical adjustments and uh you know should be should be a two really closely contested um games that will be super enjoyable if you're a neutral and vomit inducing if you're a fan of either one of these teams Paddy, where are the meetups for the playoff semifinal? So uh, this is a work in progress, but as of right now, we have confirmed meetups in New York at the Football Factory, in New Orleans at the McCool's, a new bar in Boston uh, called The Greatest Bar. (laughs) Bit of a shout. Uh, San Francisco back at McTeague's Saloon. Uh, We have a new meetup in San Antonio, Texas. They're at a place called The Rue Pub in like kangaroo the Roo pub portland uh back at toffee club uh another new one for us uh a place in horsham pennsylvania about an hour from philadelphia 40 minutes from philadelphia uh they're meeting at the iron abbey well that was good around me uh and then we've got two bars uh not official meetups there's no one that we know hosting uh but vegas uh, a Crown and Anchor pub on Spring Mountain Road will be able to show the game on Monday only. They haven't got the guy with the ESPN subscription of the Friday's game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if anyone knows of a better Vegas bar, we couldn't find one for the England game last year, so that's why we're playing people to here. Uh, and secondly, Orlando, both games will be shown at the Harp and Kelt. We had a few people get in touch on Twitter who are on holiday in Orlando. Clearly, you had no faith in us making the playoffs. Uh, so the Harp and Kelt, they have ESPN+. Plus. Again, no one hosting it. So if you're the first to the bar wearing a Wednesday shirt, ask them to put the Wednesday game on. They'll have it on, have it on for us. And uh, stay tuned to Al's America's uh, Facebook events page, Instagram, and Twitter throughout the week because we'll get loads more announced, I'm sure, over the coming days. If you're in Connecticut, let me know. I'm just going to watch it in my house otherwise. So. But I can probably find a bar in the chat. So I know a few is places. It, is, is Damien and Chris coming down to New York? I assume so. Isn't Damien like flying somewhere? Is oh, okay. he in like, San Francisco or something? I don't know. Oh, he's in San Francisco. You can find a... Uh, Matisse. Yeah. You've been listening to episode 178 of the Owls Americast. 
We're on the internet, owlsamericans.com. You can email the show at owlsamericans at gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericans. Our podcast intro and bumpers are my fellow Wednesday at Trevor to the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you rate and view the show so it's more Wednesday nights. Find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. All right, Justin. It's go time. I need your official prediction for the two-legged playoff semifinal. Uh, Christ. We... We lose 2-1 Friday, we win 2-0 on Monday, and take a 3-2 aggregate off to Wembley. Absolutely miserable. <laughs> Just very unpleasant way to do no it. No one says it's going to be fun, Jeffrey. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls. Patty, same uh, question. I think it's going to be lots of goals. Um, goal, there's goals in it. I mean, they did lose 5-0 there and win 3-0 at home, so... Mm, that's one but that, that was both don't forget that was both under the yeah no it's a long and a totally ago, different yeah. tactical yeah. system and and everything so and yes uh five months ago at this point so i'm gonna say we lose one nil at sunderland and we beat them three one um at home so similar also aggregate. three two aggregate yeah. yeah slightly more pleasant i don't know <laughs> i'm on twitter at jeff Petternastro. one one draw at sunderland 2-1 win at home. Still 3-2. Still not particularly pleasant, but whatever happens. Also unpleasant. <laughs> it's never it's fun. It's Wednesday way. But we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>